Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos, where we present tips, tools, and techniques to help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor at Lokahi Counseling. This channel and the Calming the Chaos podcast is for those who want self-help and education. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like the information, please subscribe to my channel and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. And now, let the chaos begin. This episode of Calming the Chaos is called Chaotic Suggestions, and I'll be talking to Dr. Liz Slonina. She is a psychologist in North Carolina, and she's also a hypnotherapist. We'll be talking about how to use the power of positive suggestion to overcome chaos and to get rid of the negative programming that you've received throughout your life and start to develop new conclusions about yourself and new decisions about how you will act and behave in the world. So before we get started, suggestions in hypnotherapy are simply words that are told to you that you agree with. So an example would be, bad boy, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Those are some of the things that we hear in childhood that can help form our beliefs about ourselves and then help us to decide to do things that later on in adulthood we wish we'd never learned how to do. And so we're going to learn how to use the power of positive suggestion, such as, you're very passionate. Look how creative she's being. Wow, that was really well done. I like the way you do that. So we'll be learning about that and about hypnotherapy. And so I'm really looking forward to sharing with you this interview with myself and Dr. Liz. Let's take a listen. I'm here today with Liz Slonena, or as we know her, Dr. Liz. And Dr. Liz has a YouTube channel and she is a psychologist and she practices in North Carolina. And she is here to talk about hypnotherapy. Being a hypnotherapist myself, I'm very interested to hear what she does to help her clients calm the chaos and set themselves up for success. So welcome, Liz, to Calming the Chaos. Good to have you here. And thank you so much, Tracy. I'm really excited to be here and just talk about all the wonderful things that hypnotherapy can help other people. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the helping field and with hypnotherapy. Yeah, um, the helping field. So it was interesting. Psychology was kind of out there that I was interested in, but um I'm first and foremost an artist. So I was drawing and painting as soon as I could hold a pen or paintbrush in my hand. Um, and it wasn't until I picked up this book, Writing and Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, did I start to contemplate, oh, psychology, brain stuff. Whoa, it can make you more creative. Um, and that's what I really wanted to kind of merge the art and science together um, in some kind of career. So I went back and forth between wanting to be a biomedical illustrator, so the people who draw stuff in like textbooks and stuff, um, but then psychology really captured my interest. 
I was first and foremost a researcher, so doing a lot of neuroimaging scans, doing ketamine research at the National Institute of Mental Health for a rapid antidepressant. But what really was interesting is that um, I was involved in a really bad car accident. Um, I was hit by a car um, in around 2014, and this really led to my discovery that the power of mind-body medicine and being a person who was interested in mindfulness from the get-go to help with asthma, deep body breathing, to help with those kind of attacks, um, I didn't really know that I could use mindfulness and hypnotherapy techniques to help with my life living with chronic pain. And so it was really powerful and alternating between mindfulness or just being aware of pain sensations and letting them go, while also merging hypnotherapy techniques of visualization of letting the you know pain turn a different color or just evaporate. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what really developed my interest in making brief mindful hypnotherapy and brief mindful hypnosis a thing. <laughs> so doing more research on that and specifically to reduce stress, which we can all use some stress reduction. And that's what led me to be right here. Isn't it great when your personal experiences have something to do with your life's path and what you chose because of an accident? And, you know, some of my hypnosis teachers are saying, are fond of saying there are no accidents. And then yet, you know, you are living proof that there, there aren't any because it was that event in your life that caused you to go on the path that you're on. Right. Really transforming this pain and suffering to meaning and just really being able to li be living proof, practice what you preach. Um, so that's what led me to be here. So thank you for that. Well, so let's talk a little bit about the ways that we can do hypnotherapy to help people calm the chaos of their minds you know and so the people that you work with typically what are they what are they like do you work with a specific type of people let's see um right now i'm working with a lot of overstressed overwhelmed business people and medical students right now um, that just want to really stress less and live more. And I think hypnotherapy and mindfulness and mindful hypnotherapy are perfect for that. Um, just because it's one of those wonderful things that we often think of either mindfulness or hypnosis that you need to have something done to you um, in order to use it. Um, but I am a firm believer you can use it anytime, anywhere, because we are constantly going in and out of a trance-like state, even though we may not originally know of it, just like we may float in and out of a daydream or in and out of highway hypnosis. It's a wonderful talent that we can tap in and out of to our own benefits and to our own needs in that moment. So when somebody comes in to see you and they are what you describe, they are so overwhelmed, they're stressed out, they want to live more and stress less. What is your approach to treating them using hypnotherapy or even thinking about whether they're a good candidate for hypnotherapy? That's a wonderful question. And 
It all depends on the individual meeting where they're at. Um, using evidence-based techniques, we do a really thorough, holistic assessment of just kind of making sure no stone is left unturned to really get at a firm diagnosis. And I often find that that's really helpful normalizing and clarifying that you're not crazy, you know, you are experiencing anxiety and it's okay to have, you know, a fixation on one small little tiny thing. Um, and that's part of the nature of anxiety. So after we do that holistic assessment and really firm treatment plan moving forward, um, really giving them a choice of what kind of evidence-based therapy would be beneficial to them. Um, oftentimes it cognitive behavioral therapy or uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, which is more mindfulness-based. Um, but I also am trained in EMDR for trauma-focused treatments too. And I find that hypnotherapy can be so easily integrated, and the research supports this too, to any kind of treatment modality because it's a wonderful relaxation tool and it's a wonderful way of bypassing the very hypercritical frontal lobes and actually get to a place of transformation and change that like a CBT worksheet just sometimes doesn't do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you, when you have a new client and you just do that assessment and because you have so many different types of tools to offer them, it's kind of like they can maybe choose what they would like to do. And I don't know about you, but some of them say, well, what do you think is the best for me? And so it could be a collaborative effort. And then there are those who just want hypnotherapy and, you know, just sort of seeing, engaging what's appropriate for, for each individual client. Hypnotherapy plus an evidence-based therapy oftentimes outperforms that evidence-based therapy alone, especially when it comes to CBT. And there's been other research to promote other modalities that clinical hypnosis amplifies those effects. Um, in my experience too, um, using EFT techniques of both bilateral stimulation, as well as um, kind of meridian points too, can be really helpful in merging both of them together. How is it that you help a person who is stressed out, they come to you and you have hypnotized them. And by the way, when you're hypnotized, you're just more susceptible to positive suggestions, which we'll get into in a little bit. And then they start to have, uh, well, you do a, a regression, which is going back in time to the source of whatever they were experiencing in, in the here and now. And then they start to have sort of a shock response or they freeze up. And so I'm just really anxious to hear some of your techniques about how to deal with that when it happens in your sessions. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up, Tracy. This, this freezing response, this ab reaction and hypnotherapy speech and also an EMDR speech too. It's just the body responding to the trauma. Because again, kind of, I think about it as like dual awareness, dual tension, you're going back in time mentally, but your body's still here physically in the present moment. And this is a wonderful way to have like positive dissociation. Not all dissociation has to be negative, but being able to be aware and just notice, oh, I kind of say to my clients, just notice that. Notice where is that freeze response or that stuckness? Where does it live in your body? 
And it's kind of interesting to kind of shift from maybe the reprocessing or the regression to move forward in the present moment um, with where it's rising in the body. And it's always kind of interesting where they feel either stuck in their body. Um, oftentimes I've noticed it's in the throat, which often comes from, this is going off on like chakras speak if you would, but it often comes around with um, the difficulty of being honest and true and speaking your truth. Um, uh, there could be other sensations in the body and just noticing where it shows up in the body and allowing it to just be there. Um, is really important because it's, in my perspective, it's serving a purpose to protect. It's probably that kind of reaction that the individual had during that time of trauma, um, that freeze response, you know, the fawn response sometimes too, the fight or flight, um, the freeze response that comes up so often. But it's so interesting that it doesn't make that person just stuck in that moment forever. It eventually passes. And I find it so fascinating, especially with hypnotherapy and EMDR, where it moves in the body. Often people, if they are aware, they can notice the sensation either growing or shrinking, going hot or cold. You can give those suggestions and notice any changes. And it kind of works its way out of the body so that perhaps they are, when they're willing and able to, go back to the reprocessing or the regression stage to continue to work through that trauma. But it does take some time. And I will say with really difficult cases that have like trauma after trauma and trauma, that protection, that freeze response, that stuck response, it may take more than just one session to work through it. And that's okay. Because if you really think about it, this person probably has been having this freeze or stuck responses for like maybe decades. Um, and it would be almost a disservice to say like, oh, let me wave a magical wand. That's never going to be there again. Because it is a protective measure that they've used and overused over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when we're talking about chaos or too much and moving a person more toward a better life, I think that when, when we're doing hypnotherapy, we start with a problem in the present, and then we see how it feels in the body, and when you're under trance, be able to see how that energy moves, like what you were mentioning about the throat is so true yeah. about speaking your truth, or even having a conversation with somebody, saying what you need to say to a person. So this is get, getting a little gestalty here, but you can even do like the empty chair technique to release yes. some of that energy. And that person is having a conversation with, say, a caregiver in the past or an abuser in the past. And they're becoming empowered through the whole trance process. And then when they come up, they feel so much better. Anyway, that's my experience about how I do it. What do you, what do you have to add to that? Oh, Tracy, I so love that you brought up Gestalt as well as chair work. I'm a huge believer in chair work, um, whether it's in or out of true trance. Because I think if anyone does some kind of chair work, whether it be Gestalt or acceptance commitment therapy, or even parts or IFC, you are going into an altered state of consciousness. You are using your creativity, your role playing to get at some kind of resolution. Um, 
firm believer in chair work. And I often see it really helpful, not only in trauma, but also when someone is conflicted with two really polarizing emotions, or they have this big decision that they don't know what to make. Part of them wants to say yes, the other part of them wants to say no, but being able to integrate those two by one chair being the yes, the other chair being the no, and working through like everything and literally embodying and integrating those two holes, I often find like a lot of great resolution in one session, um, despite them like thinking and, you know, being up in the air in limbo for years about some major life event of whether or not they should get divorced or whether or not they should um, get married or something of that sort. Yeah, I found that the process of hypnotherapy is about slowing it down and getting more clarity. And so when you have a person who is in chaos and they have so much going on and they're really not living the life that they want to be living and they come in, just the process of slowing things down and taking the time to not be so scattered and and think very slowly, deliberately with a purpose and some guidance. And then you reach that clarity, that clarity moment to where it's like, why didn't I realize this before? It is so great to see that kind of realization to where it's like, huh, I really didn't need to be afraid of that at all. Or this is definitely my path or the right choice for me. Yeah, you literally see the, the light bulbs pop in their head. And it, I love that you mentioned just slowing down, Tracy, because I'm a firm believer that we have, every one of us has this innate inner wisdom and we have all the answers inside. We just need to be a little quiet to hear the answers fully. We often distract either by seeking out chaos um, to the truth within ourselves. Right. Now, is there any truth to the idea that when we are children, our minds move slower, like we are more in a trance state when we're children, and so we're more susceptible to any suggestions such as you did this wrong, and then conclusions and decisions are made when we're at a very young age. And then as we grow older, our our brain starts moving more like an EKG monitor versus this nice little wave. So yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Because that is pretty much how I had heard one school of thought expressed. I thought that was really fascinating. What goes off in my head is um, the research that supports that children are more susceptible and more hypnotizable. And there's been correlates that essentially correlate creativity and imagination to your ability to be hypnotized. And if you think of any kid out there, any kid has the most wonderful imagination. They don't even have to try to be creative or try to be imaginative. They are playing make-believe. They are believing that this thing is a magical wand when it's just like a bell ringer. Um, The list goes on and on and on. And I think that their just way of reality is so so much innocence, so much creativity, um, that they're more prone to fall into those roles of make-believe um, and be essentially susceptible to be hypnotized too. Especially I like the, what you mentioned of the, the don't or the kind of the criticisms that can really be hard for children. Um, 
And I think of it as a way of, you know, trauma. We think commonly of trauma being like a PTSD, like you see someone, you know, get shot in front of you or something truly horrific. I often think of trauma as being just something unexpected that bumps you out of your range of resilience and ability to cope. Yes. And some people say it's like small T trauma and then C or cultural trauma. But if we think about that, like a poor kid getting you know, criticized for something they did wrong, perhaps that could be interpreted as a kid being a trauma in itself to be criticized, to be ridiculed. And over time, that wound kind of even being protected or sensitive, um, growing up from an adult, that anything that brushes up against maybe criticism or embarrassment just takes them all the way down to that moment of the kid being, you know, criticized because he, I don't know, spilt milk on the floor or something like that. Right. Yeah. And you find that a lot in school. I remember when I was in school, there was this one kid who was always getting in trouble and the teacher would call him a bad kid. This was back in the 70s when I was in second grade. And now thinking about it as an adult and somebody who works with people who receive, have received negative suggestions all their lives. And now here we are trying to deprogram them and help them to believe something more truthful and help them helpful about themselves. I think about all those influences and the effects they have on children and about how if we were to talk to, to our children more positively and helpfully, what a different world this would be for sure. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. And the negative suggestions and my mind automatically went to um, children who live with ADHD or how I like to say it, attention abundance. I can't imagine how many negative suggestions they get of that they are bad they are too much they can't concentrate you can't do this you are too lazy all those negative suggestions and how difficult it is to reprogram them um, especially with adults living with adhd and those old wounds of not being good enough or can't focusing mm -hmm. um and i i think about like if only we could go back in time or what would we say to our younger selves? Um, that's a wonderful age regression right there to help heal those old wounds. Yeah, well, I do that a lot in my sessions is that we do resources and the resources that we have here in the here and now can go back with us in the regressions. We can pull them in and part of it could be our adult self or our wiser self that knows that we are more than that and that once you start to realize the programming that's happened in your mind and how you've learned to believe things about yourself and from that point, decide to do things. So behaviors such as eating, I'm a certified eating disorder specialist. And so I work a lot with people who struggle with food, eating and body image. And a lot of these sorts of issues go back to the programming that these young ones have received. And going back into the regression is very interesting, trying to help people to really be clear about who they really are versus who they concluded they were in the past. So a lot of people go to food for comfort because they feel like they are all alone and they're, or they just want to escape uh, because their reality is just so painful. And then they realize that if they believed something different about themselves, they can make different decisions and choices in the here and now, ones that could help them build that successful life that we were talking about before. 
Right. Yeah. Especially food. I just think about, you know, the increase of eating disorders happening now because of COVID, um, where whatever we're listening in the past or the future of this, but they're on the rise just because food is an instant like source and hit of dopamine and makes you feel better. Um, and sometimes we can just be so wrapped up and that's the only comfort that we have, the only source of dopamine at times, but really going off that point of the messages and the lies that we tell ourselves over and over and over again, we start to believe, um, and that's the wonderful help of, you know, the compassion itself, hypnotherapy to deprogram and reinstall and install true beliefs that are helpful, that really live your life in the way that you want to live. Yeah, I don't know how often you run into the perfectionist mindset, but boy, it is rampant in in anybody who struggles with food, eating, body images, that somewhere along the line, they felt that they weren't doing it right. And the conclusion being I'm wrong and the decision being I need to do everything right. And I need to work really hard to be perfect so that I won't be wrong or I won't be judged as wrong. And I wonder what your ideas are for working with that perfectionist mindset when you do hypnotherapy and maybe just in general or working with EMDR, just any sort of ideas about the perfectionist mindset that is so common. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Tracy. Um, that's what I mostly work with is this perfectionist mindset. It can happen to anytime, anywhere, male, female, anything in between. Um, and as a recovering perfectionist myself, I am really deeply aware of the programming and the reprogramming and the installation of these really unhelpful, heavy, burdensome beliefs that we have to, must do, gotta do, should do all these things correctly and perfectly. Um, and it's just essentially denial of reality. Um, and I have a little piece of artwork that always reminds me to let go of perfectionism. Um, it's kind of like a, a really gruesome quote, but it helps me snap back into reality is that um, perfectionism is the pursuit of death. Um, because no matter what you do, essentially trying to make it perfect, you're just kind of killing yourself in the process um, and can be very violating and violent towards yourself to get that perfect grade, that perfect line in the paper. Um, but going back to how I kind of address the perfectionist mindset is that um, we often think about like fixing, especially as maybe perfectionists out there, we want to fix it to make it better, to make it perfect. And I love to do something very paradoxical and lean into that perfectionism, really try to understand it. I often love working with um, parts work um, of really trying to personify what that perfectionism looks and feels like. You know, if they, if it was a physical thing, what would it be like? Um, sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's a very hypercritical parental figure most of the time. And really being able to separate it from yourself, but also to try to develop a better, healthier relationship, kind of an attachment style to that perfectionism. Because oftentimes what I see, especially high achievers, their perfectionism really got them to where they are today. Um, to completely abandon it, to alienate it, that would be an identity crisis. Um, and oftentimes there's like a 
you know, all or nothing thinking of, if I'm not perfect, I'm lazy, I'm worthless. Um, but really trying to find that middle path, that balance of how can, and even extending some gratitude, you know, how, what are some ways that you can be thankful for, for perfectionism mm-hmm. um, and really trying to soften the hardness and rigidity of perfectionism. So it's not this 20 tons shield like Brene Brown says, but how can it be a little bit smaller, portable, um, maybe to like a, a Kevlar vest that protects you, but doesn't weigh you down and really working with imagery of how can you have a better relationship with your perfectionism and how can it, you know, essentially soften the edges so it doesn't weigh you down. Mm-hmm. Amazing that people can finally start to catch themselves going into that rabbit hole of workaholism or the must and shoulds all over themselves and realizing that they can drop it, that they don't have to pick up the 20 ton shield of perfectionism or even the sword of perfectionism, but they can just be okay with it and choose something a little more flexible and spontaneous. And when they do that, I see people have so much more fun and humor and vibrance to them instead of their kind of like cold way down perfectionist itself. Yeah, no, that is completely true. We can embrace our perfectionistic self. The fearful self tries to keep us safe. Perfectionism tries to keep us safe. And a lot of it has to do with, with keeping us safe. And then we can ask it to step back. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you've talked about the uh, the practice that you do, and we talked about chaos and about how hypnotherapy may help calm the chaos in people's minds. Do you have anything else to add as far as any sort of skills or tips that you can give the audience who's who are struggling with overwhelm, especially in these times of COVID and such? Oh, I think that my first impulse is that just saying that it's okay to feel not okay right now. If we were not, I mean, if this is like the best time in your life that no problems whatsoever, I would actually be more concerned about you. Um, and that it, it's okay to give yourself a permission to take a break. I, I find that a lot of people are going into hyper productivity mode that they need to have, you know, some kind of project, quarantine project to, I don't know, assert their worth. But I often perceive it as like a, an avoided strategy of, you know, the struggles of living that we have a universal worldwide trauma response of a pandemic right now. Um, and just like normalizing that it's okay to feel not okay. I know so many different therapists right now are struggling with that. Um, and as far as techniques or skills that could be really helpful, I know I come back time and time again of my own mindfulness practice and my own mindful hypnosis practice, um, which is really helpful. And it can be as simple as, um, I guess I'll just show you um, and people can hear um, if they're listening, but I have a little singing bowl um, right here and it's absolutely wonderful. And it makes a beautiful chime whenever I press it or bring it. And this is um, an anchor for me to come back to the present moment and wash away any of my worries. And I do this before and after I see clients and after I have a, you know, the end of my work day. And it's just a nice physical reminder to just settle into stillness to let go of that chaos and just be present and kind of 
let that stuff go, that it's no longer here and present and we can move forward instead of ruminating about the past. Would it be good just to try out the sound right now for the viewers to listen? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. And so what I usually do is um, as soon as uh, you hear the noise, go ahead and close your eyes. Just really focus on it. Allow everything else to fade into the background. And when you can't hear even the slightest noise, you can bring your eyes and gaze back up again and just see what happens. Tracy, what are you noticing now? Well, uh, first thing I noticed was that I opened my eyes before you did, but then I thought, of course, going back into my mind again, oh, that's right, she's right next to the bowl, and I'm thousands of miles away across a computer screen, and I thought, yeah, I'm not bad or wrong. It was okay I opened my eyes because I just didn't hear it anymore. But I like that exercise because it doesn't take that long, and people really need to be able to just have even just a couple of seconds of, of calm, quiet. And I like That's your right. hypnosis voice too, that, that kind of oh, came. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm just noticing myself like, ah, less tension in my shoulders. Oh, yeah. It's good just to settle into stillness, let go of the chaos. Well, I have to ask you one last question, and it's about kickboxing. I do <laughs> like to kickbox, and I'm so curious about that. If you have learned to use it as a form of energy release, or you just like doing it, I've always been curious <laughs> about kickboxing. So tell us what oh. you know about that. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you looked that up. Um, I will say part of me is like really happy that you brought this up and another part of me is missing it so hardcore. So I honestly have not been able to like kick and punch a punching bag and since the pandemic happened so i'm really grieving that loss um, but i absolutely love it because it is such a great stress relief and there's things called shadow boxing where you just like punch and kick the air but it's a great stress release it's a great energy boost um if i'm feeling really really sluggish i will be honest and transparent i will just like start kicking away in my living room and it just automatically livens me up um it's just really great and it's making me want to just buy a kickboxing um like bag of some sort just to get that release again uh well yeah i've always been curious about it and i'm glad that you like it i hope you get to go back to doing it soon for sure me too is there anything that you want to promote? You want to give us your website information that how people might be able to contact you or anything that you're doing creatively? This is the time for you to tell us about what's in the future for you and what you're doing now. Cool. Well, thank you for this opportunity, Tracy. Um, being a creative, I'm always looking at ways of how to help bring creative healing ways to kind of like across the globe. So um, easiest way to experience uh, brief mindful hypnosis is through my YouTube channel, which is um, your Zen within. Um, and then it's like slash uh, relax with Dr. Liz. And um, with that, there's 
tons of different exercises of experiencing both mindfulness and mindful hypnotherapy and hypnosis that are quick and easy. Um, so really want to make it affordable four to five minutes of your time um, to deeply relax. And I've been in the work with a lot of different app companies right now. Um, so hopefully my uh, meditations will be on um, the Mooditude app, which um, combines evidence-based therapy of CBT essentially to your web app with um, a lot of different journal prompts, doing thought logs, that is really helpful. And then um, an upcoming app which will be launched in early 2001. Um, it's called Thrive 360. Um, I'm super excited about this. Uh, they're revolutionaries in the field. They are merging 3D and virtual reality um, together. So it's essentially wanting to um, be the Netflix of self-care and self-wellness by delivering 3D virtual reality um, mindfulness and hypnosis sessions. So it's kind of like um, on the go experiencing um, like a therapist or clinician right in front of you, train experts, and you get to customize your background. So, hey, if you want to go to Austin, Texas, or you want to go to maybe Japan, uh, VR will bring you there. Um, it really focuses your attention and it's just really fun and cool. Um, so I'll be featured on there that you can check out um, very, very soon. And that is uh, the Thrive 360 app. That's right. I love the resources and what you're doing on your YouTube channel is great because I love giving my clients YouTube links. And if they're not too long and they're really effective in inducing some sort of a relaxation, mindfulness kind of state, I really appreciate that. So, yeah. Well, if there's not anything else you'd like to say about yourself, it was just lovely talking to you today and I appreciate having you on. Any last words you'd like to say? Let's see, Tracy, this was just so much fun. I don't really get to talk to a lot of hypnotherapists. So it was just fun to know and speak the same language and lingo of hypnotherapy. So it was wonderful. And I'm thinking about starting up a podcast of my own, Caffeinated Consciousness. So I would love for you to be invited on there and chat it more up when it comes to hypnotherapy and other mind-body medicines. Yes, I would love to do that. Caffeinated consciousness and calming the chaos. We've got yes. the ease there, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, you take good care and make sure that you stay healthy and safe. And we will talk to you in the future. Great. Thank you. And everyone take care. All right. Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos. If the information in today's podcast was helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. You can also go to my website at www.lokahicounseling.com for more resources for calming your mental and emotional chaos. This includes a CD I created that teaches you how to practice mindfulness in less than 10 minutes. So check it out. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care.